In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week, Jesus healed a man who had been born blind. No one in the ancient world had ever heard of such a thing. That was the sixth sign in John's gospel, and today we've gotten to the seventh and final sign of the inbreaking of God's King, Jesus, the Messiah, and his kingdom into this world. And the seventh sign is Jesus, who with the Father is the author of life, moving into this situation of death and re-injecting life into Lazarus so that he could come up and continue his course on earth. Lazarus would die again. And of course, Martha understood that her brother dead for four days now. In fact, he started to smell because of the corruption. She understood that her brother would rise again on the last day because that's what most Jews believed back then except for the Sadducees. So being a faithful person in God's promise of a new life, God's life reigning instead of death, she believed that her brother Lazarus would rise on the last day. But Jesus, who is life himself, said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The life is standing right in front of you. Do you believe that? And of course she says, I do believe. And then Jesus proceeded to glorify God by injecting the life back into Lazarus and the command Lazarus come out and he comes out of the tomb. It is the most amazing, incredible, probably of all of the signs or miracles that we have in Scripture. What it calls to mind is a reunion, a reunion. When I started to think about this theme reunion, a few images popped into my head. One image was the reunion that I witnessed in the back seat of the family car in Dallas, Texas. When my older brother Dan went to Wabash College in Indiana, he was away for the whole first semester. And he was gone, and for Christmas, he came back home. And I remember being in the back seat and watching my mother and my oldest brother embrace and weep. And it just made a big impression on me. I've never forgotten it. The mother and her first son back together again. How beautiful, how deep. How important that reunion was and how reunion is. Think about the reunion that we see in today's gospel. The reunion of Lazarus with life. Think about the reunion of Jesus and Lazarus together now. Because Jesus loved him and Lazarus loved Jesus. We do know that Jesus hung out at their home. 
Bethany is just a, a short distance from Jerusalem, and Jesus used to hang out with Mary and Martha and Lazarus and relax at their place. Now, think about that. Jesus hanging out at your place. But Jesus and Lazarus are having a reunion of their relationship. Think about the reunion between Lazarus and his two sisters, his family. What joy, what depth, what importance, what meaning can be found in this type of reunion. I'm sure you have your own reunion image. Maybe a kid going to camp for a month and then there's the reunion. Maybe it's spouses who are traveling or working and then there is the reunion. We all have seen on YouTube or on television the reunion of someone serving in our military. They come back and they surprise their son or their daughter because they don't even know they're back on American soil and the reunion is so deep and so good. That's just a taste of the reunion that God has going on right now. Did you know that God is engaged in a reunion process? God's great reunion is taking place even right now. These signs, this sign of the life of God being restored to Lazarus and God's divine life being restored into his good creation is a part of God's entire rescue program for this entire world. And in fact, Jesus goes on to complete and further that mission of reunion and rescue in his death and then in his resurrection, which is the first installment and a guarantee that all human life can and will be raised by God to life. And then what comes next? What comes next is the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God's life in us. And so if you've been baptized, you in fact have had a reunion the most important reunion that you can have because the Spirit of God, God's life, has come back to have a union and communion with your human spirit and soul. And it's going to be that way forever. That's a part of the good news. Now, Paul reminds us that these bodies, they are still in that corruptible state. They are still headed for their demise. And we feel that more and more. But our spirits have had the reunion. They have had the entry of God's life into us. And so from this point forward, we're in Christ and we're in the spirit. I don't know if you paid attention to Paul's words, but he was letting us know that if our attention, if our mind and our priorities are focused on the things in this world, the temporal things, the things that don't last, the things that don't matter, and especially if they're focused on sinful things against God's word and commandments, that there's a certain deadness that is involved in this if that's where our mind and our heart is. But we're not people who are in the flesh, Paul says, 
We are people who are in the spirit. We've been given the spirit of God. We didn't do anything to get it. God simply gave it to us. But now that we have had this reunion, what you might call the ultimate reunion already in our souls and spirits, we are called now to live out in the spirit. And in our colic today, it talks about that only God can order our unruly wills and affections and that we ask the spirit to help us love what God wants for us, what he commands, and to desire what he promises. That's what our job is from here on out. Since we've already had this reunion of God's life in us, we still have free will and we have to choose to allow the spirit to live and move and to direct us in our hearts. Well, how do we do that? The simplest way I know how to communicate to allow the spirit to live in us, to empower us, is that every day when we say our prayers, every day when we have our meditation or our devotion, that we ask God to move in and through us. We give ourselves over to the life of the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit of God in us. We are not alone. We don't have to make all the decisions by ourselves. We don't have to know everything. We don't have to be in absolute fear or trepidation about things. We have God's Spirit. And we have to begin to utilize God's Spirit if we haven't so far. But what that means is, is that we have to allow the spirit, our wills and our priorities and our desires and give that over to Christ or the spirit. So we're in Christ, we're in the spirit, but our wills are still very much involved if we are going to pay attention to God's guidance, to God's leading, to God's empowerment to help these unruly wills and passions that we have, to not be focused on things that don't matter, not be focused on people that uh, are, are of no consequence ultimately to us, to get engaged in battles and uh, come against all of these thoughts that we have and these gossips and wars and just the things that we have going on. None of that ultimately matters. But the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, self-control, humility. All of these things are what the spirit of God, the life of God in us, seek to produce in and through us. But we have to allow that power, that life, that spirit to move in and through our minds and our hearts and our wills, and finally, our bodies. And so Paul would call us to live by the Spirit. That means make decisions and priorities and offer your life to God every single day for God to move in and through you. He would say, walk by the Spirit. And that is when you're desiring the, in spirit, the Spirit to give you the power 
to actually love or be kind or to not gossip or to not allow thoughts to roll around in your head over and over and over again. So we have the power to quench the spirit or to grieve the spirit with continued sin or we can live by the spirit and walk by the spirit. The good news is, is that we are reunion people. We've been baptized and plunged into the reality of Christ who is the life. We have been given the spirit in baptism, the very life and power of God, the same life and power that raised Jesus up from the dead. The same life and power that injected human life back into Lazarus, we have that power in us right now. The question is, are we utilizing it? Are we allowing it? Are we living and walking in it? When we come to the Holy Eucharist today, come to be empowered and filled by this life and spirit so we can truly walk by the spirit and live by the Spirit to the glory of God. Amen.